Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, as always, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound with your host here, Jeff Floyd. Uh, obviously, you know, Pete Smith here. We're going to you know just continue to get through, um, and obviously, you know, two weeks from tonight, Probably right about this time. I, I'm trying to think. Yeah, right about this time we'll start. You know, I mean, uh, picks will be dropping. Uh, you know, when the Browns make their first selection, obviously still a mystery to this point. Um, but you know, we'll get to all that. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, um, Nick shook. Um, and I, I know Nick was coming over to write for Browns.com. Came from NFL.com. I remember. Uh, I, I know I had a conversation with Mark Sessler, and he had mentioned it. Uh, he wrote a, a fantastic article today about the story of uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, um, and you know how he ended up actually you know, getting his opportunity here with the Cleveland Browns. If you haven't checked it out yet on Browns.com, guys, check it out. It, it's a really great story. Um, look, I mean, obviously the kid's still facing the highest of odds of actually making an opening day NFL roster, but I mean, you got to admire the living hell out of the guy about the way you know and the effort he put in to get himself into this position. So uh, it was a good read. I mean, you're talking literally almost kind of like a Rudy story. Uh, I think Pete dropped a Willie Mays Hayes reference, which probably fits to this one, including the fact of him almost sleeping outside the facility. So good stuff. I mean, you, you know, in, you know the, the speed is obviously real. You know, uh, not really much wide receiver experience whatsoever. Something you'll get out of there. Uh, you know, the junior college he was at, they just appreciated the fact that they had themselves a really good returner who was really, really fast. So, just something there, Pete. But, uh, Pete, come on, even you, Pete, come on, even you can appreciate a, you know, a good luck story, a hard work story. No, come on, Pete. I, I I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, guy chasing his dream, going all out for it, and yeah, it's 100 percent like Willie Mays says. The point that I don't know if he woke up in the parking lot in PJs and suddenly jumped in and ran, ran and then won a race, uh, but it certainly. <laughs> similar sounding anyway uh so you know it's it's always interesting to see how those things work out and it you know makes it certainly will be fodder for you know if, if he's in the if, if they make it to preseason games he's still on the team and he gets out there that's 100 percent going to come up uh so i mean good for him we'll see you know how far he can take it but i mean i'm, I'm sure on on some level he is you know he is currently living the dream I mean, look, you're in the door. That's all you can ask for is to get yourself in the door. How long you stay within the door, how long you stay in the building, that's on you. But for this point right now, he's in the building. So great story. Um, Pete, we're getting closer and closer here. Uh, I think for the most part of it, uh, you know, and obviously we're still going to cover it, but I, I think we're I think we're good, right? Uh, I mean, it, it appears any numbers we're looking for at this point, I don't think they're going to give them to us. <laughs> um. There are numbers that keep popping out, and they're usually like in response to so and so players having a visit. And I think what 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 is happening is agents are basically trying to, in an effort to get you know these these reporters or whoever to pick it up or give them information to sort of go with. You're seeing like uh, the kid we talked about yesterday, um, Caden Ellis. You know, that was sort of the lead. It was Caden Ellis is visiting such and such, and he had, you know, he linebacker from Idaho, and he had this, these numbers athletically. So, yeah, that's about as much as – that's about the last bit of information we're going to get. But in terms of are we going to get um, – you know, the guys we, we would really like to see numbers on if they've tested, we just haven't gotten them yet. Uh, more than likely, that, that ship has sailed. I mean, today we got Kendall Sheffield because he did a workout today uh, in light of his torn pectoral muscle. Uh, and his numbers were great um, at Ohio State. I didn't see a 40, but everything else was fantastic. Apparently he didn't Apparently he didn't run one. And I guess that could kind of make a little bit of sense. I, 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 don't, I mean, I, I guess though, with the bike. But uh, you look, I mean, Ohio State guys are fast. I, I don't think we're that concerned about that. No, uh, I mean it's a it's a good result for him. It will certainly help his case, but you know I have issues with his lack of production. I I thought he was a year away, but uh, that is sort of the nature of the beast. You, you you're an athletic guy, and there are teams who will basically say you know we can we can we can make him play up to that point. And and you know the the teams that I think would make the sense make sense for Kendall Sheffield are bad uh, and in a position where they're trying to you know take a, a lot of draft picks. Uh, at a lot of players and see if they can't 
you know, get something out of them. Kendall Sheffield's perfect for that. If you're talking for a team like the Browns, um, I, I think he is he costs you a roster spot as opposed to gives you a player that can help. They need guys who can sort of fill a role and give them something now. I don't think Kendall Sheffield is in, in, a, in a position to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, at this point, it's, you know, uh, throw pillows and a blanket on top of the couch. It's not the couch itself. And where Kendall Sheffield will go, you want a home? I mean, we can put in this one here, a New York Giants. There would be, there would be a home. Actually, which bring, let's bring, bring up that one. Um, you sign Odell long-term. You trade him away. Uh, still not sure what you're doing at the quarterback position, but you reward Sterling Shepard with a four-year, $41 million deal with almost $23 million guaranteed. I mean, good for Sterling Shepard, but Pete, they got to go quarterback, don't they? They, they got to take a quarterback. And, <laughs> yeah. and Dan, but you want to know what, though? But maybe you shouldn't if it's going to be Daniel Jones. Um. Yeah, they have they have done so much in terms of setting the 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 groundwork to take a quarterback. You take Saquon Barkley out of order, really, because that should be sort of the last piece of the puzzle. But he is there, and he does help a young quarterback. Um, you the whole trade Barkley for- selection, like the the thing with it though, it was it would have been like your franchise quarterback got hurt week one. You ended up with a fluke. You're drafting two overall. Now your franchise quarterback's healthy. Okay. Well, then take Saquon Barkley. But no, that is certainly not the path they took, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, and then they obviously they trade for Kevin Zeitler. They get a lot of credibility up front. Um, they have been you know, trying to find more answers on the offensive line along with Zeitler, and then you lock up a guy like Sterling Shepard, who I think is a really nice player. I think he will get uh, – he will be good – in, in in the absence of Odell Beckham, if they get a quarterback who can put him on put a ball on the spot, he is a very good yard yards after catch guy. And and in a world where the Browns didn't have an Odell Beckham and and maybe he becomes a free agent, um, he could have been a target for them in in that mold of getting a guy who's plays well in space, knows how to get open, uh, catch catch and run type guy. Which Sterling Shepard could have made a lot of sense for that. So. I think it's a nice play player for them. I, I think he's an awful fit for Eli Manning. Uh, so if you're going to... You just sign Golden Tate. They're essentially yeah. the same dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, at, at one point, that is what the Giants were sort of building. They had a bunch of these guys. Um, like Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, you know, I, I complement each other in certain ways, but neither they, they are both that type of guy. Like, you know, when they... When they had those guys, they brought in the kid, for the tight end, uh, who's really a receiver, and all those guys. They had a bunch of space players that were really interesting. But Eli Manning was a terrible fit for all of them. They needed a guy who was like consistently able to put balls on the spot, put guys in position to succeed. They had all these great options, and then it just wasn't working, and they couldn't block up front either. But that if they can get a guy who can, you know, put guys in position to succeed, it could be great. If that's Daniel Jones, I mean, that I'm not a fan. Uh, If you go Dwayne Haskins, that could work. I don't think Drew Locke does anything for that situation. Um, You know, or they maybe their best option would be to, you know, trade out and acquire picks for, you know, 2020s draft. But uh, certainly they have done everything to suggest that they're at least thinking about taking a quarterback. Uh, They're trying to put someone in position to succeed. Uh, I hope it's not Eli Manning, but, you know, if that's the case, that's, uh, I suppose, slightly better, but you're still going to be an awful football team. Uh, Maybe that's the plan. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's just confusing. I mean, I I, I like Sterling Shepard. I just think it's bizarre in light of the fact that you basically traded Odell Beckham to make this work. Um, and also it, it seems like, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard, you know, you know, welcome to your 86 receptions for 860 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, look, I ain't going to fault the kid for the money, but you know, I don't think he's going to, you know, look, just, just take a, don't take Daniel Jones. Take Dwayne Haskins, please. Just take Dwayne Haskins. And the other one was that, you know, then they're hosting Kyler Murray on a visit. So, look, apparently they're doing their homework on quarterbacks, but I could also see the Giants being stupid enough to just sit there at six, and then it'll be, oh, you know what? We'll just take this guy, and we'll take whatever quarterback's left at 17. Like, you know, everybody else is playing chess. 
the Giants are playing checkers. This one came out today too, Pete. Um, apparently there were a lot of rumors, and I, I forget who confirmed it. I want to say maybe it was Jeff Risden, but you know maybe Zeitler was going to be a Minnesota Viking in an Everson Griffin swap. Um, you know maybe the Browns had already done some early legwork and you know thought that Sheldon Richardson was a fit, but uh. Zeitler for, you know, Griffin, where it turned into Zeitler, which brought you back, you know, Vernon, and then eventually Sheldon Richardson. That that worked out pretty well. Uh, you know, I, you know, Everson Griffin, nice player, but uh, I, I kind of like the way this one worked out for them. No, Everson Griffin is a terrific football player. The issue is what happened last year where he, you know, basically, I, I guess you'd call it a mental breakdown. And- Bi- bipolarish behavior, I guess you would call it. And had to, and, and I, I, you know, thank God the Vikings did the right thing with him, and you know, shut it down for a couple of weeks and let him sort of Heal get mentally. situated. Yeah, they, they, you know, he got treatment and all these other things, and hopefully he's in a better position. I don't know if that factors into ultimately why the Browns opted not to take, you know, take that move. I, but uh, he's he's tremendous uh, for the Vikings, but this is now the question with it, and I think as a result. You you sort of are going buyer beware if you think the Vikings are trying to move on from a player with that type of situation. You you know I, certainly I understand what they need offensive linemen badly if they're going to make this Kirk Cousins thing you know worse. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be enough. <laughs> but uh, you know it, it, you would think given that situation that the best possible place for Everson Griffin is Minnesota. They know him. You know, he's obviously got a situation and hopefully, you know, a plan and treatment and all that stuff that keeps him in in a healthy place so he can be, you know, a good football player and a, you know, fully functional member of society that they don't have a situation where, you know, this goes badly, uh, you know, whether on a minor level where he just has a freak out at work or, you know, a major level where there's some, you know, real issue where you're sitting there, you know, a, a, a harm to someone else or himself type deal. Um, so it makes you a little nervous that for, for Griffin, that, the, that they were trying to move him, but you know, I, I sort of get it. Uh, but yeah, I'm happier that the Browns got Olivier Vernon. I think, you know, it, we're, we're finding out more and more how, how, uh, the giants are just not very good at this whole trading thing and, uh, have been negotiating seemingly against themselves to give up less, uh, and the Browns have sort of been on the, be- the beneficiary on, on on some of these so yeah I, I i am really looking forward to olivier vernon going from you know playing against trent williams tyron smith and jason peters to playing against filer uh bobby hart zeus and jr. zeus jr maybe uh, like i mean they, and zeus jr is a good player but that, that's just an absolute mismatch from the athletic zeus standpoint jr., zeus jr people are, are saying he's a good player people are saying he had a good very, very good rookie season i don't disagree with the good rookie season part but i want to see if he can block olivia vernon because i don't think he can uh no he could not block either honestly he could not block any of the three pass rushing specialists for the cleveland browns um he'll be lucky if he gets a hand on him um you know, so that's that's good. Um, yeah, so I mean, it would have been interesting, and look, I mean, it would have been. It's you almost like you know, I, I get it from the Viking standpoint because it's kind of similar to Josh Gordon. But the thing is, you know, ever Everson Griffin was you know always there, not always suspended. But like, it, it when you get a guy with that type of you know background or and those issues, it's tough. And I mean, if you were going to move on from a guy like Kevin Zeitler, who is just a a literal a rock. Day in, day out, shows up, doesn't miss practice, nothing. Where a guy that I mean, the biggest, he could have made a a, a, a a move, you know, from one city to another, could have just been enough to you know trigger other episodes. It's you know, no, I mean that's just obviously they, they played this one here correctly. Um, remember, if to get the show every day, guys, subscribe to Lockdown Browns on the new Himalaya Podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns. All right, Pete, that's going to start leading us to some questions here. And uh, the first one's going to be, and, it, um, and this would be uh, out of West Virginia. Uh, we uh, There is a guy in West Virginia we definitely do have our eyes on. Um, but this is in relation to uh, Yadne Kajust. And 
Uh, right now, it seems like he may be. Uh, look, yeah, I mean, yes, Rodney Kajust is falling. Could be in round three range, maybe round four. Pete's thought on the player, because I, I know we've spoke on him. I know we have, but we we know what the issue kind of is now, but God. Well, you know, he first he was very famous on Twitter because he 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 squared up on somebody and looked like a freaking old school pugilist. Um, <laughs> if you watch him block, you see very active feet, which isn't necessarily like technically sound, but you just like the fact that he's got the feet to do it. Um, the big, you know, there are definitely people who are big fans of him. Uh, Brent Sobleski. Uh, is a huge Yandy Kajus fan, for example. The problem right now is he he had uh, quad surgery at the end of March. He's out, you know, three months from that. Uh, you know, I don't know where he is in relation to that, but we never got any athletic testing uh, because of that quad injury. Um, so, you know, this, the stuff you're sort of curious about with him, we have no information. So if you're looking at it from my standpoint, He's again. This is this has been an unfortunate situation for uh, West Virginia with him and David Long both being unable to test this this year uh, to give you any real athletic data. Um, I think Gadi Kajust is okay. I think there is potential there. I think he needs a ton of work. Uh, it, a lot of what he does is super unorthodox, which is not the end of the world. It, you know, it can work for him. But it becomes a question of the offensive line coach who gets him. Do they want that stuff or do they think, you know, the stuff he's doing is is too ingrained to unteach or is it something where they're like, we can work with this. You're not we're not going to try to change him too much and just sort of add a few things to what he's already doing. I don't know the answer to that. Um, It will be interesting to see if the Browns. Uh, look at him. I don't know that they have really had much contact with Kajus, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. But um, you would think with a guy, with a situation like that, they may want to get a closer look to see where the medical is at and stuff like that. Um, and maybe they did it. And you know, like with David Long, we just don't know. But yeah, that he's sort of in you know a holding pattern as far as where where you take him. Uh, you know, he could go, he could still go in the second round. Um, I don't think he's the first round prospect. Some made him out to be by any stretch, Um, but he could be available sitting there on early day three. It really just becomes a question of when do teams think he's going to be ready? And then B, uh, when, what, how far do they think he has to go to contribute, whether that's this year or, you know, 2020. Um, And Ryan Rayburn, thanks for the question. Um, The the issue is that it's not just, you know, it's it's a multitude of injuries, and that's obviously what concerns you and gives you pause and hesitation. Um, and look, I mean, he was a guy we talked about earlier, and then now, as the process has gone on, and Kajust is kind of you know, kind of been out of the picture through the injuries. You go and you find other guys that you can fall in love with. Obviously, you know, um, you know, Pete talked about Howard, the offensive tackle last night. I told you know, Ole Uda is a guy we both really like. You go and you look for more. Um, Kajus's body type. I'm not necessarily sure, though, Pete, even... I'm not 100% sure he is a left tackle or a right tackle, though. Maybe he's an interior guy, and that may be something where Cleveland is not... I mean, the Browns are not going to be so much involved is because, you know, due to, you know the body type, you know, he just doesn't give you the portrayal of, you know, the big hulking outside tackle either side. So that may be an issue with Kajust either way. But, uh, you know, look, we're not... Look, even with eight draft picks, which I don't think they're going to make eight, eight you know, take eight selections. These guys, it, you know, it's not that the pressure is going to be high on them, but they're going to be expected to come in and fill some sort of role. It's not just going to be, well, all right, well, congratulations, you're here. You know, sit back, throw on a baseball hat, watch the party. Um, the guys they do select, you know, in the second round, third round, fourth round, there should be defined roles for these guys. And, you know, if there's injury hiccups and things of that nature, maybe you're just going to move on to the next name on your list, even if you value one guy a little bit higher. Um, you've got you still got some small and minor holes here to fill. Um, this is Joe. I think it's Joe Arnott. Um, and I do get a bunch from him. Um, uh, Dexter Lawrence um, t- talked about it all. Uh, it seems like Pete, uh, you know, obviously these Clemson defensive front, they were massively hyped going into the season. Uh, I, I want to say, I guess, Christian Wilkins, is probably held his value, 
everybody else is kind of tapered off here. But, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, and, and this is even a question of, you know, whether or not Dexter Lawrence could be around at 80 or 119. I'm not sure about 119, but I'm definitely not going to say 80 ain't out of the mix at this point. Um, so, nose tackles are the ultimate tease in the NFL draft, as you'll see guys that you're, you're sitting there going, oh, man, he should go in the first round, and he's sitting there in round four. Um, the, the position is just so unpredictable in terms of how teams value a particular player. Some teams, you know, will, will take a guy real high and then other teams, you know, they, they'll just sit there. Um, my issue with Dexter Lawrence is a few things. Um, he was not very productive. In fact, his most productive year was as a freshman. Uh, and then you look at the fact that in the playoffs, when he was suspended for testing positive for some sort of banned substance, um, which is its own question mark. Um, Clemson didn't miss a beat. Like, you know, the, the, there was no, at no point in either playoff game was anybody going, man, they really missed Dexter Lawrence. He could be really doing some damage here. No, it was talking about how Cleveland Farrell absolutely put on a clinic against, uh, you know, Alabama. It was those other guys, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Christian Wilkins stepping up and making plays. Nobody was sitting there going, man, where is this guy? Which does not help. You know, sight unseen. Um, you, know, you forget about guys who aren't aren't around. And then lastly, you know, his athleticism, he ran a 505 or whatever, 40 at 300 pound, 340 pounds, which is incredible. But he immediately got hurt. And that's the only thing he's done. You you That's one of those things where you're sitting there, you get a little nervous with that. Uh, but... Uh, to me, in terms of where his data projects, you can make a case for him based on if you really believe that the freshman year was his you know, true self and you're saying we're going to get that out of him um, and that he's really as athletic as, as that you know, almost five flat at 340 suggests. But if you're asking me where would I take him, I wouldn't. And I mean that I mean at all. First, I think there's no tackles I like better. Uh, Tristan Hill, Greg Gaines, um, you know, guys like that. And then the other part of that is if if you want a guy who's a really good run clogger, you could sign Danny Shelton. And Danny Shelton's 340 pounds or around there, and he was really productive. He doesn't have that 505 speed. He was obviously had a dreadful 40 time. But that's the type of career I expect a guy like Lawrence to have, honestly. It's just he he's fine, but he's not you know, really what you want and, you know, where, where you're drafting that, you, you probably end up disappointed. Whereas you look at a guy like Shelton, and if, you know, obviously that disappointment is already come and gone. If you sign him now as a role player, you sort of know what you get. And he was good at that role. They actually, you know, again, they missed him this past year. And it's, no, nice, to have the draft, they, it's nice to have that draft pick and the trade result and all that stuff. But at the same time, you could end up getting the player and keeping those picks at a reasonable contract uh and you know he did help the patriots win the super bowl so i'm not a dexter lawrence guy i just i don't think the value's there i don't think the 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 fit for the browns is really there either i don't you know we're hoping they're going to score a ton of points and certainly you you don't want to abandon the run but they may be more interested in getting sort of guys who can do a little bit of both as opposed to just being a straight run clogger and if they just want a straight run clogger there are guys available Oh, I mean, those guys, I mean, those guys you can always find in, you know, whatever, one year, 2.3 million incentive-based, yada, yada, yada. Um, for me, uh, here, the biggest drawback I have on Lawrence, and, and, and you look, I want to hear about the combine testing, which we'll, we'll hear about, I guess, Pete, probably, what, eight, nine days from now, we'll hear about that. Uh-huh. Um, how, how, go ahead. No, it's, just, oh, okay. I, it's always no, I, Yeah, no, it is. And, it, like, how, why that late in your career? Um, Clemson was rolling. You knew you were pretty much headed for another BTS opportunity. Um, and I don't want to hear, you know, the Clemson staff, oh, well, maybe we inadvertently gave him something. What? Like, what do you mean, what? You may have inadvertently given him something. Well, what the hell's going on in that building? Like, I, I, it just seems like a really, really weird time to fail a piss test for something that, look, I, you know, the weed, I, get, I would get it if it was weed. I would understand. Like, I understand players do that. I don't give a crap about that. It does seem very weird that at that point in time you were looking for something performance-enhancing, which makes me think it maybe wasn't your first time, which maybe thinks that, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. And and that's kind of where I'm at with Lawrence. And 
Look, if you told me it was one of the three fifth-round picks, yeah, sure, why not? Anything before that, nah, I just, I, I can't. That, just that, that test and failing of it at, at that point and, you know, going for a second national championship, I, I, I just, I don't know, those are some weird, weird red flags to me. Just, I, 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 I just don't get any of that one with that him uh, on that one there. That's just... It's a head-scratcher. There's just no way around it. Um, Here's a good one here, and then we'll go into a couple. Actually, well, here we go. Here we go, actually. Uh, Matthew Dorsey. Uh, now, Pete, you know, the, the chatter today, the rumors today, maybe the Browns would trade all the way up to where the Dolphins are selecting, and which, you know, can fuel you, Pete, and, you know, maybe Ed Oliver. Who knows? Um, Pete, first things first, as, as great as Ed Oliver is, is there really – Anybody in this draft significant enough to improve the Cleveland Browns to pay the tax to go from 49 to the top 15? Um, if you're, you know, the, there are three guys that would be in that conversation, which would be Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver, and Andre Dillard. Um, and the, I the know answer- you so well. I know. Knew it was gonna be. I knew Dillard was gonna be in that mix. I love it. Well, yeah. I mean, those are the three guys. Those are the only three guys where I think that you have that conversation. And and the answer to me would be still no. Um, and and the reason just because you can't look. You're, you're where the Browns are at and where where they, this thing is going to go. They are going to need all of those young con those those contracts yep. of cost controlled guys because. You know, and I love at Oliver, but let's say the Browns give up, you know, an obscene package where they're giving up a 2021st. They're giving up like you know 49 and 80, potentially something else because that's a huge move up. Um, maybe even a player. That is, you know, and and let's say Ed Oliver goes down and gets hurt, or somebody else gets hurt that is a significant injury. For example, let's say, um, you know. Denzel Ward. Say, yeah, Denzel Ward goes down for a significant amount of time. Like, you're even if Ed Oliver is everything he's cracked up to be, you end up being where the Falcons were when they traded up for Julio Jones. And Julio Jones has been, you know, he's fantastic. He's, you know, he has a real shot to be a Hall of Fame receiver. But the the cost was so. Uh, uh, problematic for them because they had no outs. They had nothing left to sort of build the rest of the team, and, and at that point, you have to be absolutely perfect with everything you have, and that's too problematic for me. I think that's too risky. I think you, you know, if you if you get into the whole, you know, draft economics and stuff, like your your base argument is ultimately going to be that you lose value by moving up. And in certain cases, that's fine. Um, you, you have a specific target or whatever, and you want to get a specific player, and you're willing to eat a little bit of value to get that guy because he's you know that important, and the value sort of works itself out. The problem is you you don't want to end up in a situation where even if Julio Jones is great, that the rest of your team suffers because you can't do anything else to fill out the rest of the team, or you trade up and you pick you know. Uh, Derek Harvey, like the Jags did, and they get you know he was a you know they they traded a significant amount to move up to I think eighth. He was a massive bust, and they gave up all these things for it. So you know, short of this is why short of basically getting a quarterback, you know, this is a really risky proposition. You know, you, you look at the the Ricky Williams deal. Ricky Williams was great. Uh, for the Saints, for those couple years he was there, they but were not. <laughs> they had nothing else. They that was their whole team, and you know he got sort of unfairly criticized and and all that stuff for for that. But that's that's the issue, um, you know. And the other problem is, you know, obviously this would be this would be the type of deal that's negotiated contingent on you know player X being available. I have a really difficult time seeing any of the players available. That would be, you know, who would you want? But certainly I could see why it would be a discussion in a war room to say if Ed Oliver's there or Andre Dillard's there, then you're willing to potentially do that and saying, well, we're, we're going to lock down this position for the next, you know, for the entirety of this window they have. But, you know, the Browns are not in a position, you know, as much as everybody wants to talk about them in terms of, well, they only need, you know, this to 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 
compete over the top. I, I don't. I, I do think that's a desperate play that they don't really need. They 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 need to get a couple players. They need. They don't need superstars. Granted, if they you know if they get a, a guy that can can ascend to that level that's great but they just need guys who can contribute and play quality football at a few spots to really get them to that spot where they're in a position to win the super bowl um for this question and matthew thanks for it um it would be like where is the gaping hole i don't know where the gaping hole is right now would you like to upgrade at right tackle sure but if you really wanted to upgrade at right tackle you could probably address that at 49 why do you need to mortgage your future to get up that high um do you want another linebacker do you need another linebacker yeah definitely need another linebacker um yeah are you going to trade all of that for devin white or devin bush look i love devin bush with everything i love devin bush with every fiber of my being but uh you know what's going to be you know a first uh you know 49 80 maybe even duke johnson uh, you know that's that's a lot of parts for a linebacker, it just, I, I, you know, look, if you said this roster was constructed the way it currently is and you did not really have QB1 and you needed to go get Dwayne Haskins or whatever your quarterback flavor of choices, then by all means, pay that tax, pay that price tag. But, I mean, to look for, you know, another coverage linebacker, maybe to look for, you know, a, you know, someone who could start at tackle this year. You do have two guys in the building already. You may actually have three to four guys that could possibly start at tackle. It's just way, way too big of a price tag. And even Ed Oliver, I mean, you know, we, we think the world of Ed Oliver. He wouldn't start here. And so well, you, I mean, you basically well, it's not that he would start. It's you. You just have a never-ending rotation of just killing. You know, which is fine, which is fine, but you're also not going to have a you know another cornerback that you trust. You're not right. going to have another safety which you need. You're not going to have the coverage linebacker that you need. There's it just creates too many holes, and I think that's why you know I, I think this one you know look uh, if the Dolphins want to move down, yeah sure by all means I get it. I mean you know your quarterback showed up to OTAs looking like he's 250 pounds. Uh, you know, he may drink more than I do, which is you know scary, but uh, it just it's it's just not it's probably just not worth the tax. If they're going to move up, yeah, I, I get it. It's a there's a, probably a probability of it, but to go to you know top fifteen range, it, it, that it's just too high of a tax. And even the player you're going to get, I, I don't know if you're going to get the return right away in year one that you're hoping to get with that. Um, guys, iTunes, rating reviews. Um, guys, let's get a push on these. Come on, come on, come on. Um, do me a favor. Look, you're listening right now, right? If you're listening on iTunes, uh, just drop a five-star. Or whatever, sitting at your desk work listening, uh, leave a review. Click on it. Jeff, Pete, they're fantastic. All right, Pete stinks. Jeff's great. Jeff stinks. I like Pete. Whatever. Five-star written review, guys. Always appreciate it. Always helps with the show. You think uh, Miami gave uh, gave – Ryan Fitzpatrick like a bonus to show up fat, like they really he, want. He does this every dude. The, the year where he came back late to the Jets after the good year, he came back fat as hell. And don't worry about it. I've been working out. I've been throwing with my brother. I've been throwing with your brother. You've been throwing. You've you've been on like seventy five NFL teams. You could easily just open up your phone and call anybody. Say, look, let's work out. You've been throwing with your brother. I just wonder if Miami's like, love it. Love everything you're doing. Have another donut. Oh, absolutely. I don't think Miami cares. He, 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 look, he, he can, he'll help you tank. There's no doubt about it. And he can look great for three quarters and throw for 275. And then all of a sudden the game gets tight. And in the fourth quarter, uh, yeah, here's a pick six. Uh, here's a interception thrown in the end zone. Um, but hey, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's going to be closing in damn near what now? Almost $100 million made? And by the way, Pete, did you know he went to Harvard? Because he went to Harvard. I've heard that. Uh, Crimson have a good football program. Uh, I don't know if he was there when they were any good, but yeah. But yes. And, you done know, well I, for himself. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got that Conor McGregor sort of, I mean, whatever. But you know, look going to him, uh, fat as a house. And I think he's close to the Philip Rivers plan where, you know, every time you see his wife, she's knocked up yet again. So whatever, man, live the good life. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, virtual, uh, Cleveland Enthu- at Cleveland Enthusiast. Uh, assuming relatively good health, 
what do we consider, Pete, a disappointing, and I hate to use this word right now because everything is so positive, what would be considered a disappointing season for this franchise? Not making the playoffs. I mean, the, I, I think they should absolutely win the division. I think they, they're they the best team in this division. But, you know, if, if let's say they get into a situation at the end of the year where they even back into the playoffs, like they're, they're you know, they're, they're 10 and 3 and, you know, a team like Pittsburgh jumps them and goes 11 and 5 and they lose the last three games to get in, but they're 10 and 6. You know, I don't think anybody's going to be that upset about it so long as they get into the playoffs. If they don't get in the playoffs, that's where they're, people are going to be very, very, very unhappy with, you know, what this team's building. That, you know, to, to go from 7, 8, 9 to, you know, with everything headed in the right direction and not being able to at least squeak your way into the playoffs at that point would be very disappointing. Any Anything short of playoffs would be disastrous. I, I, I think... You know, it's very easy for anyone to talk themselves into, you know, getting into the playoffs, even if they don't look great doing it, because, you know, it's been since 2002, you know, they, they nobody really expects them to win the Super Bowl anyway. They just need to get sort of the experience and all that stuff. So unless they're sitting there in January while everybody else is getting prepped for week one of the playoffs, that would be an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's. I mean, I, I don't even know if wild card's enough right now at this point, Pete. I, I don't think it is. Uh, Pittsburgh, look, I mean, it's just an absolute mess. Uh, you have, you had your window where you were trying to ride out the end of Big Ben. Uh, Big Ben's still there. Le'Veon Bell is not. Antonio Brown isn't. And regardless of what's ever going on and the personality of these guys and the disharmony, whatever, you, you, you are supposed to be knocking, you're supposed to be knocking heads with the Patriots in AFC Championship games. That's where the Pittsburgh Steelers are supposed to be right now. Jesse James, gone. Le'Veon Bell, gone. Antonio Brown, gone. I, I, then you have the whole Baltimore situation where, look, I mean, Lamar Jackson, You know, we think highly of him, um, but if you're going to run the, and we keep going back to this, if you're going to run a early 1980s high school offense with a pro franchise, where you're going to feature tight ends and running backs, and you know when it gets down to third and eleven, there's not anything you can do about it. Uh, whatever. And Cincinnati uh, again, Cincinnati draft a quarterback. Cincinnati just draft a quarterback. Start from there. Uh, you look at the state of this division right now, and unless somehow somebody falls flat on their face into a fantastic draft class, it. it, it it's it's written in stone what the expectations are the Cleveland Browns of this season should be to win the AFC North and should be to host a playoff game. That is where you are at. Um, look, I understand injuries can come into it, and you know, obviously, you, know, you cross your fingers. There's nothing you can do about it. But uh, yeah, if you you know anything less than I, I even think maybe even a wild card would probably be a disappointment. Uh, Giovanni Ravise, all right, G- Giovanni again. Um, Always good. Uh, da, 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 da. And actually, all right, this is kind of getting to our... And this is the sentiment of what if offensive tackle is the biggest need. Um, obviously, he does listen to the show because obviously he knows of the love of Andre Dilliard. Um, if he's there, Pete, 25, 26, is he worthy of going from 49 to go up and get? Uh, yeah. I mean, as a, he's the, he's going to be my third the third player on my big board. He's a top ten pick in my opinion. If he gets anything further than that, it's insane. He's the best offensive tackle in the draft, and he's not close. Like if you were looking at this and saying, um, you know, there's not really a great offense. No, he is that dude. Like the, the, you can't ask for anything else from this guy. Um, you know, he's a million pass snaps. He's fantastic at it he's an elite level athlete like this is what you want from that position um you know if if, and this is a you know a league where there are just not enough offensive linemen to go around uh i i would be floored if he makes it that far that would suggest like he's literally on a killing spree at that point during the draft live pissed off for greatness yeah yeah like he's just so good um you know his overall sentiment of what if the Browns really want an offensive tackle at 49, um, could they move up? I mean, the answer is sure. I don't think it would be into the first round. 
Um, you know, but th- this is the thing is like John Dorsey is a guy who really, really, really values offensive linemen. And this is, you know, people are very upset. Uh, and I, I, I get it. Uh, when, when they took, uh, Austin Corbett last year, because they're like, well, he's, you know, he's not playing, but you know, if he has a good season, we'll see. Um, then nobody will care. He tends to be a guy who's going to plan a year ahead. So if he's saying that, you know, he loves Titus Howard, we don't think he's going to last any longer than this point, or he loves, you know, Oliudo, or he loves, you know, Tyler Raymer or Max Sharping, and he, he's like, I want this guy because I think he's going to be ready. For, he, I think he needs a year, but he'll be ready to come in and be a great uh, player for us in 2020, keep Baker Mayfield upright, all those good things, and cost, you know, a rookie contract, then absolutely. I mean, that's sort of been his mindset. Uh, that would not surprise me at all. I still think the fit, you know, the leader in the clubhouse is is uh, defensive back, but th- that would absolutely not bother me at all. And certainly it's a question of which one he takes. But, it, like, again, if you're saying Max Sharping, you know, would that feel a little bit early? Yeah, I guess. Um, it would, but at the same time, like I totally understand you were saying at that point, Baker Mayfield, ha- you know, he's the franchise. We are going to do everything possible uh, to make sure it works. Now that pick has to work in the same way that Austin Corbett has to work where this whole thing blows up in your face. But I think that is absolutely a viable option. I just, you know, I- again, Dillard is just so, so good. I don't know why there's like, and I'm not saying people are making this up. I, the, why there's rumbling that Dillard could be available that late? He should go no lower. He he should go eighth pick or whatever Buffalo is ninth pick. Uh, get him off the board immediately, uh, and 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 protect your investment in, in Josh Allen. Well, and it, it, uh, you know PFF had up the stat. Um, I think you Andre Dillard, you know pass pro reps for left tackles that are in this draft. He was your clubhouse leader at the collegiate level, and I believe he led by like almost twice. I think yeah, he was, was close. Yeah, yeah, he was your career. Yeah, he was closer to a thousand, where everybody else was knocking on the door of five hundred. Um, and even like you go back to you know the Austin Corbett selection, and everybody, oh well, you know, oh you know, well he didn't play. And, okay, Antonio Callaway, you know, as much as we did, and I'll admit it, we criticized the pick. He turned out pretty well for a fourth round selection. Jannard Avery was lining up as an edge rusher right away in camp as a fifth round selection. Trust the whole draft. Um, you know, trust that John can make a splash. John and his guys can make a splash in day three and find some role players there. So even still, if there's something he wants and believes, even still, if he believes the guy's a year away, but warrants selection at that pick. Let him do it. Um, you know, look, maybe look. Did they maybe miss because Austin Corbett? Can't play left tackle in the NFL. That's that's it's probably a pretty good case, but there's also the case of look, maybe he can be a left tackle, and I'm sure some guys in the room said that. But if not, guess what? We know we've got a solid interior player, and he saw that throughout the preseason. Once he went back to the interior, things were much more comfortable to him. They slowed down. I forget the running back in Week Four at Detroit had the 50-yard touchdown run. Austin Corbett single-handedly opened that hole, and it was literally a hole you could have driven a flatbed truck loaded with two cars through for a touchdown, and then was still able to get players later on in day three. to So just trust the whole draft from front to back, even if a guy who has, you know, a higher, you know, where he was selected higher and is not playing as much, you you, you got to give it more than just the immediate reaction and obviously they feel comfortable enough when they moved away from one of the best right guards in the NFL, just literally you know, walked away from him and said, all right, well, now we found our hole for Wilson Corbett, Pete. Well, I mean, you know, I, I have to think that, you know, well, first, I think Austin Corbett was drafted as an interior guy. I think they basically said, we're going to give you a shot. We we have a good feeling you're not going to be able to do it, but we'll let you see. And if you surprise us, great. He couldn't do it moved inside and then I think I have to think that they basically looked at his development were happy with where it was going to the point where they made made them feel comfortable that they could move on from Kevin Zeitler uh Kevin Zeitler obviously the trade nets them Olivier Vernon um if those all work out you know they look brilliant and it looks great um at the same time you know if if Austin Corbett doesn't play well it's going to be criticized endlessly 
Um, understandably, even if you you know you buy into the idea that guards are not terribly important, especially left guard. Unfortunately for Petonio, based on certain data analytics that are interesting um, when it comes to that. But uh, yeah, plenty year ahead. Uh, I would rat- look. The last thing the Browns want to do is find themselves in a situation where Greg Robinson walks either because he's he was great and he's getting a big contract somewhere else, or he's shitty and you don't want him because you don't want a shitty left tackle. And now you're 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 going into this going. We have to we have to address this. We are now chasing after this position. Um, that's a scary place to operate. So if the opportunity arises, um, whether it's the second round, 49th pick, or moving up a little bit or whatever. I have. They're going to take an offensive tackle. It's just a question of where. Now, James Campen's history is obviously, you know, getting a little bit lower than that. But there's no doubt in my mind that if if the opportunity is there, Dorsey's going to jump on it like he did with Corbett. Yeah, and just you know, just trust the whole draft. That's all. And and there's nothing wrong with having you know a future guy somewhere. And even still, what would have happened if Joel or Kevin didn't? play every snap last year you would have had to do something and maybe you know look it's okay to have a backup plan and not actually have to use it right away there's really nothing wrong with that uh pete we miss anything i think we're good i don't think anything happened it's all that interesting all right nothing dropped in the last 45 minutes no failed piss tests anywhere none of that good stuff that's good. Makes it easier on us, um, guys. As always, we you know we appreciate everything. Um, you know the the response to the show and the following of the show. You guys are fantastic with it. Um, we appreciate the fact that you appreciate the product. Um, Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Always check it out. Uh, Pete, Pete, how long before the final board? Come on, soon. Oh, that's going to be, I mean, all that, the the final mock draft, the final board, all that stuff's going to come basically, I'm going to try to shoot for basically the Monday and Tuesday of that week or maybe a little bit earlier than that. Uh, I've been messing around with the board. It's actually been harder than I thought it would be so far. Um, Well, so we shall see. But uh, yeah, the mock draft I basically already have in my head. It's just a matter of doing the work on it. It'll, it'll be the board and getting all that stuff out, uh, and then the the total targets thing. I'm always I'm always nervous with that stuff because either I want to double check the data that I have is accurate, or I don't want to you know publish it and then you know find out that some data was available I didn't know about a player and would have included them that type of stuff. Um, so it's it's figuring out where the, the best time to do that, where it's not too late that it's utterly, you know, too late to matter and useless. Thir- um, Thursday of the draft at noon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like the mock draft comes out Friday morning. Like, you know, <laughs> that's that type of stuff. So, yeah, that stuff's all all processing. It, it's agonizing from my standpoint. And, and I know there are people who are excited for that, which makes which is extremely gratifying for me that there are people who look forward to that stuff. Um, but yeah, that that uh, that will work its way into uh, motion here sh- soon. Uh, I do want to thank everybody. You know, obviously, guys. So read Pete's work. Make sure you're following him at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, Pete, uh, the show uh, we asked to get closer to five thousand followers. Uh, you guys, we were there and passed that in space. I do appreciate that. Pete is closing in on five thousand followers, guys. Look, we're beyond the the the, the Twitter nonsense anymore all right look i mean we'll give you our opinion you don't like it uh we'll probably just move on to the next tweet or the next thing in the mentions um you can say harass whatever we'll just move on mute block whatever we just we don't have time working way too hard for that but uh let's get pete closer to let's get pete to 5k here he does put in the work um obviously with a lot of this browns media the question of the work that is put in is always questioned. Um, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, always keep it follow back, guys. You know, thanks again. Obviously, you know, over to 5K now. Uh, we keep it follow back. Uh, you guys you guys are just tremendous with, you know, the appreciation. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are daily, you know, where other shows are not, which is fine. And I'm not critiquing any of them. Some other guys are putting out some great products. Um, but, you know, we're here, you know, obviously, you know, every day for you in some capacity. Um, some of you guys were upset today because some of the podcasting apps were not functioning correctly and things were not out there and i apologize for that guys look i i put it i post it to the host site it's from there it's in the internet's hands whether or not it gets to everywhere you listen to um but always can check the twitter account you can always hit it's a good the problem to have it's a yes, good problem it to have that people want are, are unhappy that they are not getting the product 
as opposed to not giving a shit that you put out a podcast. <laughs> that is that is definitely a nice problem. Um, but guys, always remember you can always just you know go and look to the Twitter account. You can always just listen through the megaphone app or whatever. I mean, there's plenty of avenues to go. Uh, you know, and I am not the greatest web technician. I just send it off where it needs to be sent. And after 400 and something episodes, they all seem to you know. I can't control the internet, guys. Um, follow me personally at Jeff underscore L uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, we're getting cl- you know that, that that account's picking up here, and I appreciate it, guys. Um, you know, I, obviously, you know, uh, you know, Pete's a little bit different. I do you know kind of keep my Twitter account a little bit more an open book, my life and things like that, and it, it's cool. I, you know, I, I appreciate it. You guys are cool. You know, good with it and understand, and it, it, you know, a lot of the interaction has been a lot, a lot, lot much better lately. Um, look, it, we're as far as you know wh- who a prospect is or what he is as a player. That stuff, you know, like Pete uses, likes to use the term "the haze in the barn." I mean, we're to that point now, and now it's and everybody. Oh well, maybe the draft should be sooner. No, it's it's not. The, you know, we, the NFL. Look, we still don't even have the schedule. That'll be next Thursday night. Yeah, uh, so the NFL Network it has you ready and everybody ingrained to be looking for football content at seven thirty, eight o'clock, and the next Thursday. Uh, I mean, Thursday after, obviously, it'll kick it all off. Um, but it's you know, it's a fun ride. We got two more weeks to go here. I'm planning on recording every day. Look, you guys keep coming back. Uh, it's an exciting month. Uh, I think the way we're going to do the first night of the draft is maybe we'll you know we'll record for you know maybe the first eight to ten selections. And, you know, we'll take a quick break, get a show loaded up, you know, get some food in this, come back, you know, and then we'll go through the next eight to ten or whatever. So maybe you will maybe get to like three shows, you know, all within like the 50 to an hour mark. We'll get those all out there, get you through round one, because if they do trade up, obviously some live reaction to it and the anticipation of them not screwing it up will be huge and be essential. Um, so, you know, a lot of stuff great here coming. And look, as, as much as I enjoy this process, and you know, the draft process is fantastic, but I mean, you know, I am waiting for, you know, training camp. I am waiting for August. I am waiting to get back to actual straight football and hopefully seeing this product where it goes. Uh, three months. Three you months. Three months. Pete, I got kids. You have, as much as I think it's slow, that will go by like a snap of the fingers. And uh, it's even crazy because the, uh, the little one. My daughter Hope, she will go to her fifth grade dance tomorrow night, which, I mean, like, shit is just happening so quick, so fast. But it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. And the best part of it is, guys, I get to come down here, sit down for about an hour a day, and talk about this, and kind of escape from all that. But we'll go back to that here in about five minutes or whatever. But this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.